Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. I'm glad. How Um, are you? I'm good. Quick apology for not mentioning on last thing before we go this week that you were going to need tissues while listening to it. That's on us. We we really dropped the ball on that one. We did. Yes. Um, we had such great feedback from last week's episode. Um, it was so nice to see everybody's kind words. They were leaving for the Sayers yeah. family. And um, yeah, it was a really special episode. Yes. And very sad at the end. We had a lot of people writing to us saying, how could you not give us a warning about <laughs> no. that? Like we were crying on the way to work and crying everywhere we were going. So yeah. So thank you guys so much, though, for your feedback on that episode. It really meant a lot to us and to the family for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Mandy, before we get into this week, I have a poem for you. Would you like to hear a poem? Oh, gosh. Yes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I considered doing it as a rap, but I figured that would be even worse. So here I go. Come one, come all to Orlando town, where crime aficionados gather round. Crime cons where the action's at September 22nd to 24th. Don't miss that. Use code MOMS for a sweet deal. 10% off your badge? How does that feel? Panels, discussion, and true crime tales. Crime Con's the place where justice prevails. AKA, we're going to Crime Con, and you can get 10% (laughs) off your badge if you use code MOMS. Please come join us. Maybe I I can keep going. Melissa, yeah, you can. I had no clue that poem was coming, everybody, by the way. It isn't finished. That was new to me, too. It isn't finished. (laughs) Now, here's our next announcement. I hate announcements, so I'm just trying to think of a way to make them better. And this might be worse. Join us on Patreon. Any level's fine. We'll give you access to our Discord, guys. We don't know what it is, but we'll give it a go. Let's chat about crime. Don't you know? Okay, last one. (laughs) So that is basically us saying we now have Discord. We don't know how to use it. I apparently had it going live from my computer where I was filling out Patreon cards and watching the show Barry. So you missed one hour of Barry if uh, if you weren't on there yet. Last one, Mandy. You're most excited about this one. Love is Blind. Season four is back. And we're all set to share our thoughts and yak. Patreon members, join us for a live discussion every Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern. No need for percussion. Come join us. <laughs> Let's delve deep into the mysteries we cannot sleep. CrimeCon, Patreon, Love is Blind. We've got yes. it all. So come and <laughs> wind. We've done it all. And the last, oh. and, and the last poem was we're going to go live on Patreon, right? Every Or, or lo, live on YouTube via Patreon every yes. Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to discuss that week's Love is Blind. Mandy's favorite show yes. is coming back. And yay! 
I, I just, I, it's not my favorite show, <laughs> but like it becomes my favorite because you love it so much. I don't know why that one is just the one that sticks out to me and I, I watch ridiculous. it and now I look That's forward why. to the new seasons. Yeah. I was telling Melissa that I started following Love is Blind on social media. So now I see that, you know, they're sharing information about who the new contestants are going to be. And so now I'm very excited. You know, I've gotten, I am, I'm in too deep. <laughs> too deep. So if you are also in too deep, Join us over on Patreon, and we'll be doing live discussions on Sunday nights until the show is over. It doesn't run very long, so just the next month or so. So, Mandy, yeah. I have no more poems for you today. I'm so sorry, everyone, but that's just what you get. And we'll be I'm back to- with weather reports next yeah. week. <laughs> I can't wait for that comment. All right. Well, I'm ready to get into this week's episode, though, if you are. I absolutely am. This is a... Very fun and wild story this week. Uh, So scams, frauds, cons, whatever you would like to call it, the art of deceiving others is really a pretty crappy thing to be skilled at. I think we can all agree. (laughs) But I think the true crime lover in all of us would also probably agree that a good con artist story can be really one of the most fascinating things to listen to. The first time you meet a con artist, it's possible that you might not even pick up on their game. Most con artists present themselves in this very outgoing and energetic manner that's meant to disarm their victim and earn their trust. They're really confident, they're bold, and they're skilled at making you believe that they only have the best intentions for you. Con artists are master manipulators who have perfected this practice of deflecting questions that they just don't want to answer, and they appeal to your emotional side as a way to gain control over your actions. Some of the most really upsetting non-murder crimes that I've learned about have been involving some form of a fraud or a con, and I'm always left wondering how someone could even do that and how they can actually get away with it. In today's unbelievable story, a con man named Anthony Gignac successfully convinced numerous businesses and people that he was a Saudi prince, and he managed to swindle millions of dollars over his nearly 30-year career as a con artist, and he did it all without really even using the internet, which I find pretty remarkable. I know. Yeah. So this was really just at when he was at the height of his spree, his conning spree, this was really when the internet was first becoming a thing. So for all we know, Anthony Gignac might just be the father of web-based Middle Eastern royalty scams. (laughs) We're going to find out more. (laughs) (laughs) I like that that could be his actual title. He's not a Saudi (laughs) prince, but he could be that whole thing. So before becoming the great scammer he's known as today, Anthony Gignac was born in Colombia by a different name. His birth name was Jose Enrique Marino. Jose and his younger brother really didn't have an ideal childhood. By 1975, when Jose was five and his brother was three, they were both orphaned and spent to live the next two years on the streets. Jose had to forage or steal to get food for himself and his brother, and he would also find shelter for the two of them as well. From an extremely early age, Jose knew what it was like to truly fight for survival. During this time of growing up homeless and in poverty, Jose began to notice the fact that other people weren't really living like him. There are these people in Colombia living in these huge mansions. They have walls around their houses. They're security guards. And they weren't having to scrounge for food or steal to get by. And this really made a huge impression on Jose. He wanted to be the type of guy that had that kind of luxurious life as well. In June of 1977, the brothers were adopted through a local orphanage by a middle-class couple from Michigan, the Gignacs. 
Their new adoptive parents took the boys to Michigan and they legally changed their names and began to learn English. Jose Marino officially became Anthony Gignac. Although Anthony was just seven years old at the time of his adoption, those who first met him thought it was very obvious that his life on the streets had made a noticeable impact on him. Anthony really wanted to be someone important and people around him said he really yearned for this good life and to be in the limelight. Often this desire to be special led Anthony to lying to make himself seem like he had money and power. He even told his classmates at school that his mom owned this famous hotel and that his dad was a famous actor. So by the time Anthony was in the sixth grade, his embellishments and these harmless untruths had really turned into massive lies, which he was very, very good at convincing people to believe. When he was about 11 or 12, he actually called up a local Mercedes dealership and claimed that he was a Saudi prince whose father was going to buy him a Mercedes. And he actually... at 11 or 12 years old, convinced the salesman to come pick him up at the local mall and give him a few test rides in this Mercedes. And then he said he was going to buy it. He said his dad was just going to send the money. Sure. Anthony ended up giving, yeah, he ended up giving the salesman his mom's phone number. And at some point, the dealership did call her and told her that this Mercedes is ready to be picked up. So of course, Mrs. Gignac is like, no one here bought a Mercedes, doesn't have a clue what the guy's talking about. And nobody ever showed up to pick up the Mercedes. So the dealership ended up contacting the police because, of course, this is a strange situation. So the officers ended up going to the Gignac home to see what was going on. And we're not really sure what happened after that, but the car salesman probably quit his job out of embarrassment. And after this whole debacle, Anthony's parents tried to really get him some help. They could see that something was clearly going on. And they sent him to therapy and then to a camp where he proceeded to tell everybody still that he was rich and powerful. In 1982, Anthony was 12 and his parents unfortunately got divorced. Anthony stayed with his mom while his little brother went to live with their dad. And this arrangement ended up being really, truly awful for Anthony. As we said before, he had always taken care of his little brother, and he felt like his little brother was really the only person who actually meant anything to him. So to be separated from him was very tough on him emotionally. Anthony ended up having a breakdown, and he was sent to two different psychiatric hospitals and then to a halfway house. When he was 17, Anthony ran away from that halfway house, and he started living on the streets. He was using stolen credit cards to hire limousines to drive him around Detroit while trying to pass himself off as a prince, a very specific prince named Adnan Kashugi. So it's likely that those listening right now don't know this, but Adnan Kashugi actually is a real person, was a real person. And not only was he a real person, but he was the richest man in the world at that time. He was a billionaire Saudi arms dealer. And the real Adnan was around 52 years old. So it's kind of funny to think about 17-year-old Anthony trying to like pass himself off as this person, you know, very clearly anyone could figure out that you're not that guy. So I think that's funny that he tried to do that. So he eventually was caught, but two months later, he moved to LA and his mom's partner at the time told Vanity Fair that Anthony was really attracted to Hollywood because of the glamour and wealth. So once Anthony was all settled in LA, he obtained a California ID card in the name of Khalid bin Al Saud, who is a real Saudi Arabian prince. For the next few decades, Anthony would pose as Khalid to con his way really through his entire life. Can you imagine, just from a mom's perspective, when you were talking about that before with the Mercedes dealership calling her, like, your son now is 10, 
so in like a year, getting a call saying your Mercedes is here to pick up and then finding out your kid has <laughs> scammed. Like, I just can't even imagine what's going through your mind. Like, first of all, genius, right? Like if you use these kind of skills in the real world, it can go really well. But if you're using right. it for this, <laughs> and he had to just be like, sorry, but my thought was just, he had to be like, what can I get away with? That's what, how I kind of took right. this first one. Because how for far what other reason would this? you do uh-huh. it? Yeah, like how how can I get people to believe me? So how does this young man successfully convince wealthy individuals and even businesses to give him money? Well, it all starts with the look. Anthony really did his due diligence when it came to researching the culture he set out to impersonate. So he studied the royal family and he knew enough about them to be able to answer questions. He had tan skin and dark hair, and he dressed in the way a traditional Saudi royal would dress. Other times, he would just wear very nice clothing and jewelry, but he always carried himself with an air of confidence that really bordered on arrogance. Anthony had been lying to get by since he was a little boy, and by this time, he could tell really a convincing lie straight to your face without so much as blinking. Sometimes Anthony would use credit cards with the name of Saudi princes on them, and other times he would tell the employees at these various businesses that he was a specific prince or other member of Middle Eastern royalty. He would tell them that his family would pay off any of the charges he made, sort of like shopping on credit without an actual credit card. And a lot of times the employees would oblige. Not because they necessarily believed everything Anthony would say, but because he would become belligerent and aggressive if he wasn't given what he wanted. If anyone like challenged him or questioned his identity, he would scream at them and say, quote, do you know who my parents are? End quote, which no, they don't. <laughs> Nobody here knows. And that's <laughs> no why you're does. able to get away with it, buddy. <laughs> so because Anthony's story was so crazy, people ended up believing him because as a former assistant U.S. attorney said, quote, nobody would really believe that if you were faking this, that you would draw that much attention to yourself, end quote, which is so true. It reminds me of housewives going on Real Housewives and having fraud problems. And you think, (laughs) why would they do that if they're going on TV? It's like, sorry, but it is kind of the same idea. Like, why would you put yourself out there? But Anthony did find himself in hot water with authorities several times over his years in scamming. When he was 17 years old, he was convicted of using a credit card with a fake name on it to defraud this limousine company, and he defrauded them out of over $8,000, which is around $22,000 today. So in July of 1991, when Anthony was 21 years old, he successfully defrauded multiple LA businesses out of over $10,000 over the course of about four days. So first, he went to the Regent Beverly Wilshire Hotel and got a room. And this is a historic luxury hotel in Beverly Hills, so the rooms there aren't exactly cheap. But he convinced the staff that his family would cover the room and the food charges. And furthermore, he also convinced them to refer to him as Your Highness, which is the wildest thing to think about having hotel employees refer to you as your highness, knowing good and well that you are not royalty in any way. <laughs> but let me tell you, on Real Housewives, I have to bring it back. Luann, she was a countess. She was married to the a countess. Count. Yeah. Yes. And she one <laughs> what time- What does that even mean? I, nobody knows. I did a whole episode <laughs> on my other podcast, Criminality, or about it, and nobody knows what it means. So she- told another friend when she introduced her to the driver, she said, this is Luann. She said, no, you have to call me 
the countess. Like you have no. to. So it's not like when I heard this, I'm like, yeah, that is wild. But if that is your title, obviously he's pretending like they, some people really will make them do it. It's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't even know how I would react if I was at work and someone was like, you have to call me your highness. I don't know. I feel like I would laugh. I'd probably get fired. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would be like, okay, because why else would you say that if you weren't? Like, you just don't think yeah. people would think that way. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, it is. So while he was staying at this hotel, Anthony racked up a bill in limousine charges for $7,500. And this was from hiring limos just to drive him around town for these several days and nights that he was there. And each time he would get in these limousines or make these reservations, he would just claim that his family was going to cover these bills. A manager of the limo company later told the LA Times that Anthony was a heck of a con man, and he said that he was actually excellent. Uh, The manager said that he was suspicious of the claims at first, but all that went away when Anthony showed up at the hotel and the staff members were referring to him as your highness. He was like, this has to be legit because everybody else is going for it. Except Mandy. Mandy is being walked out of the building, (laughs) fired. And the guy's exactly. like, if only one probably making a scene. They're probably <laughs> taking me away in handcuffs at this point because yeah. I'm like, no, there's no way this is real. <laughs> so um, also during this four day conning spree, Anthony went down to Rodeo Drive for a little bit of illegitimate shopping. And he convinced shop employees to give him Louis Vuitton luggage, um, a whole set of it actually, and a rare coin collection. So although we're not sure if he actually promised to pay for these things or did he just convince them? that he should get these items because he was so rich. I don't know how that works. We don't know how he managed to get all this stuff. So finally, after four days at the hotel and a bill of over $3,500 in room and food charges, the management starts really kind of pushing the issue about getting their money for all this stuff. So they're kind of asking, you know, when are you planning on paying? And Anthony keeps putting them off and telling them that his father is going to pay. But they stopped believing him, and they ended up calling the police. So Anthony ended up getting arrested at the hotel, and ultimately he was charged with four counts of grand theft, one count of credit card abuse, and one count of forgery. He was offered a plea bargain, which he turned down and opted to go to trial instead. That trial began in October of 1991. After prosecutors put all 17 of their witnesses on the stand, Anthony then said that he had decided to plead no contest to all the charges and end the trial. After this plea, the LA Times started calling Anthony the Prince of Fraud. In November, Anthony was sentenced to two years, and at the hearing, he told the judge that he could give them a check for $1,000 to put towards the money that he defrauded from these companies, and he promised that he would come up with another $1,000 in return for the judge just putting him on probation instead. So the judge declined this amazing once-in-a-lifetime offer and told Anthony that he needed to spend some time behind bars. Your Highness no more. This reminds (laughs) me of like the OG Anna Delvey, right? Remember that story? Yes. She's getting a reality show now, by the way. Sorry, keep bringing up reality, but she is getting one now and it's wild to me. I would probably watch that, actually. Okay. I love that story too. (laughs) You might get me with that one. There you go. So by the summer of 1992, Anthony's out of jail, but he still hasn't learned his lesson. The LA Times reported that Anthony was so good at deception that it was doubtful that he'd ever give it up for this mundane existence like the rest of us leave. Poor Anthony. So soon after his release, Anthony forged documents to make it seem like he was a real member of the royal family. These documents included the names of law firms and banks associated with the real royal family, and he even had official-looking seals on them. 
With these fake documents, Anthony was able to get credit cards issued in the name of Khalid bin al-Saud. Using these credit cards, Anthony secured a room at the Ritz-Carlton in San Francisco. He moved in and stayed there for an extended period of time, only leaving after they caught on to the fraudulent charges. Anthony was arrested again and spent a little over 50 days in jail before being released on parole. Although you're not supposed to leave town when you're on parole, you're also not supposed to pretend to be a Saudi prince, and Anthony leaves. As soon as he's back on free soil, he flees to Hawaii where he continues to pose as a prince. While there, he managed to con two different couples out of a total of $30,000, which is about $63,000 today. It's one thing to con the businesses, but the people, it is just, I don't know. I would love to think I wouldn't fall for this, but I'm an idiot. I probably would. And I'm not saying these people are idiots, but I definitely would because I'm an idiot. So one couple gave him $8,500 after he told them he could sell them a share in a Saudi Arabian oil field, an oil field that didn't actually exist. And this is a, this is a wild one for me. A different couple ends up paying his nearly $21,000 tab at the Hawaiian resort. And if you're oh like, my gosh. how did that happen? Here's what happened. The hotel staff starts getting suspicious about Anthony. So they secretly run this credit card check and they find out that Anthony is not a real prince. And so they call the police. Hours later, Anthony still hasn't been arrested. So a hotel staff member actually introduced Anthony to a wealthy couple that frequently stayed at this hotel. Anthony claimed to them that he was a Saudi prince and asked the couple to just cover his hotel tab until he could get cash from a safety deposit box. So Anthony gives a couple jewelry that's valued around $9,000 as a sign of good faith. So the couple agree and they pay the tab. But later on, the couple find out that Anthony is a fraudster. And they also found out that the hotel employees may have had a little fraud in them, too, because <laughs> they, at this point, know he's a prince, still introduce him to the couple in hopes that they will pay this bill. And so then the bill is taken care of, so they're not going to be in trouble, I guess. Which is just wild to be like, actually, you're preying on us. Could you go prey on them over there? Right. Those over there, they've got the mojitos. Either way, we need them. Yeah, right. Either way, this bill needs to get paid. Exactly. <laughs> so the couple ended up suing the hotel and they won nearly $89,000, which I don't blame them. That is wow. a wild thing I know. to have happened. <laughs> and we still have so much more to get into in this story. And we'll do that after we take a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Sleeping better not only gives me sweet dreams, but it also prevents me from becoming a nightmare in real life. And thanks to Blissy pillowcases, I'm less of a nightmare and more of a sleeping beauty. I'm all about that cool side of the pillow life. And thanks to Blissy's award-winning 100% mulberry silk pillowcases, every side is the cool side of the pillow. If you're wondering why silk pillowcases make a difference, just think about it. Silk helps prevent frizz, tangles, and even prevents breakage of your hair while you sleep. And it keeps the moisture in your hair and your skincare products and natural moisture in your skin, unlike cotton, which literally absorbs the moisture right off your hair and face. And since, according to my kids, I am a mind reader, I know what you're thinking. Sure, Blissey's probably great to sleep with, but I bet washing them is a pain. But that's where you're wrong. Unlike other silk pillowcases, Blissey is made of the highest quality silk, plus they are machine washable and durable, 
all while being naturally hypoallergenic. I absolutely love my Blissey pillowcase. Not only does it feel really great on my hair and my skin while I'm sleeping, but it makes a huge difference when I wake up in the morning. I'm losing that rat's nest effect on my hair, which means I'm less inclined to throw my hair up in a bun and go about my day. Everybody loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them too. They have over 1 million raving fans and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com slash mysteries and get an additional 30% off. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash mysteries and use code mysteries to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair will thank you. Hey guys, if you want to be Big Mad Entertained, we think you should check out the podcast, Big Mad True Crime. We actually got to know the host of Big Mad True Crime, Heather, through our lovely researcher, Haley, who also researches for her show. So you know right off the bat that you're going to get incredibly well-researched stories as well as interesting storytelling. Listening to Heather's stories is like having a conversation with a friend over a McDonald's Diet Coke. Heather's really saying what we're all thinking. And one thing I love is that the episodes are about half an hour and there's no filler. So you're getting straight to the facts, plus some snark, which as a podcast listener myself, I really enjoy. Plus all the stories on Big Mad True Crime are listener requested. So you're going to hear stories you may not have heard before. When Haley came on a few weeks ago, she mentioned the case of Oakley Carlson. And that's one that she researched for Big Mad True Crime back in November of 2022. I think podcasters would all agree that they want you to start with their most recent episode, but I would definitely suggest that you start with Oakley's story. New episodes of Big Mad True Crime are dropped every Monday, and I can't wait to see what story Heather has this next week. Listen to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, back to the episode. All right, so before the break, we had a lot of information about Anthony Gignac, the prince of fraud, who has been getting by through life by posing as um, a Saudi Arabian prince, a very specific one, in fact. Mm -hmm. So as one does, yeah. Right before we took the break, he was staying in this hotel that had a $21,000 tab rung up in room and food, and somehow he manages to convince another couple at the resort to pay off this tab. And they realized they were scammed and... I don't know. Somehow Anthony narrowly escapes another arrest because the bill got paid and I guess they dealt with all that later. So after he barely got through that scenario without getting arrested, he continued on his travels and he continued running similar scams from place to place. In July of 1993, 23-year-old Anthony made his way from one coast to the other and found himself staying at one of the great luxury hotels right here in Orlando, the Walt Disney World Grand Resort. Maybe it's the magical environment that helped Anthony get away with more fraud, but he was able to spend $14,000 in fraudulent credit cards before the Disney hotel staff caught on and had him arrested yet again. To be fair, he could have just bought a dessert at Disney. $14,000 right? Is, <laughs> I wonder how far that really is there. Exactly. Anthony pleaded guilty this time, and he was sentenced to just probation, but that had never slowed him down before, and it didn't slow him down this time either. About a month after he was released, he went to another Florida hotel and racked up even more fraudulent charges. It was another $27,000 plus shopping sprees at Saks Fifth Avenue, where he spent a cool $51,000 on what we can only hope was the highest of high fashion items. No kidding. I can't imagine spending $51,000 at a department store. That's not at I'm one. Just, I'm, I'm, that's I'm, not my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm just too practical. I'm like, will I like this? in six months, you know, like, is it where, how many times will I wear this in six months? It, right. This is just ridiculous. 
Yeah. So after this shopping trip, Anthony invited two men to his hotel room to party. But things actually went sour when these two men ended up beating him up and robbing him, which led to the police being called, which of course is never Anthony's favorite thing. No. So when the officer, yeah, so when the officers heard that two men had beat up this Saudi prince, they called the Saudi embassy. And after speaking with the officials there, they realized that this is all a, a sham. There is no the prince is not in America, they said. The real prince, Al Saud, is where he's supposed to be. He's not staying at a resort in Florida. That's the first clue. A, right. a prince yeah. staying in Florida? So, Fraud. <laughs> at, at a Disney resort? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Come like, on. What's going on here? So, yeah. So, by the time the officers actually figured it all out and put it all together that Anthony was this big fraud, he was long gone. He had actually fled the state of Florida already. So eventually he found his way to Chicago where he was caught and he was extradited back to Florida and he faced criminal charges for these fraudulent purchases at the Grand Bay Hotel and at Saks Fifth Avenue. He was charged with fraud and grand theft and sent to jail to await trial. So Anthony had never been one to be deterred by jail time. And of course, this was no different. From behind bars, Anthony managed to break a whole bunch more laws. First, <laughs> he started contacting lawyers from jail and posing as Prince Khalid bin al-Saud again. Question, <laughs> when you call from jail, doesn't it basically say an inmate call from, and you have to say your name? <laughs> How is he doing this? He, he Anyway, I feel like that could be a quick call to the jail to be like, do you have a Saudi prince there? But they didn't do that. Right. <laughs> he ends up telling the attorneys, hey, if you bail me out, my dad will hook you up and pay you back. <laughs> So one attorney falls for it. Immediate disbarred. Immediately you have to be disbarred. I can't I can't trust you. <laughs> and ended up hiring two bail bondsmen to pay $46,000 so Anthony could be released. So once the prince was out of jail, these two bondsmen took him back to their office to await this payment from the king. Of course, that's a scam. There is no king. This gets even, I can't. I don't know how to even get through this. It's so wild. I thought I was reading just a script for something. It's too crazy. Eventually, the bondsman told Anthony they were going to take him back to jail since they hadn't been paid. But Anthony was like, hey, guys, friends, can we just go to an American Express and I'll get the money to you that way? So at the American Express, Anthony sticks to the Saudi Prince story and tells the employees, hey, I lost my platinum card. And the tellers are, of course, skeptical, but Anthony starts shouting that his dad, the king, would be super angry if this card isn't <laughs> replaced. But the wild thing is, he's asked to answer the security question, and when he gets the question right, they replace the card, which has a $200 million line of credit. Mandy, what do you think the security question was? It definitely... Couldn't have been what's your mother-in-law's maiden name or whatever, because no. that's too easy. <laughs> no, I know. I, I just can't even imagine what it was. And, but he was able to get it right. But that's because he had actually secretly spoken to two people on the inside of American Express. So he knew the answer to these this real prince's security question. So it could have been the mother-in-law thing, right? Because he got I guess insider so, information. But, like, but how 
did you convince these insiders to give you the information? Well, I guess we're going to find out in a minute. But right. honestly, that's just crazy to me that they would be like, sure, I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to risk my exactly. job. I'm going to risk everything and give you this confidential information. Like, And how why? many times I don't have understand. you been arrested, sir? Like, you've been arrested right. a lot. I'm going down with you. Right. So anyway, he was able to get these security answers, which is how he was able to answer it. And at that point, they've got to be like, well, I don't want a king mad at me. He answered the question, <laughs> let's give him $200 million on a line of credit. So as soon as Anthony has that card in hand, he pays the bondsman. And then he hired a limo to take these three new best friends to a jeweler where Anthony spends $22,000 on two Rolex watches and an emerald and diamond bracelet. So Anthony gives the Rolex watches to those two inside tipsters from American Express. And I know, I'm sure nobody's like, hey, you have a Rolex today and you didn't yesterday. And also we've been defrauded (laughs) out of $200 billion. How did that work out? (laughs) So for the next several days, Anthony and his new BFFs, the two bondsmen, travel across the country together. (laughs) What is this? This sounds like a plot to another version of The Hangover, My Saudi <laughs> Prince or something. I don't know if there's a movie based on this story, but if there's not, somebody has to make one. Mandy. Somebody needs to make one. Zip it. Let's try and sell this. Okay. <laughs> this is our thing now. This is our thing. So anyway, he's spending insane amounts of money on this American Express card, kind of being just silly about it, all silly billies about it. He would buy out the whole first-class cabin on a plane or the whole floor of rooms at a hotel. He's acting like he's Mr. Beast out here (laughs) doing stuff. (laughs) It was just really ridiculous and unnecessary stuff. But I have to say, if you know you're going to get caught, I can see having a little fun with it. Never use that against me in a court of law. I would never actually do this. (laughs) Unfortunately, though, the good times come to a screeching halt when the bondsmen get a call from American Express, letting them know that the card used to pay Anthony's bond was actually being used fraudulently. And that's when the bondsmen learned for sure that Anthony was not who he claimed to be. He was not, in fact, my big, fat, Saudi prince best friend. (laughs) That wasn't it. And so they're like, oh, sorry. Time's up. Let's go back to jail. (laughs) So at some point, Anthony was actually given a little bit longer of a sentence of 616 days for charges of fraud and grand theft stemming from the Grand Bay and Sachs purchases. And he was sent back to jail. But naturally, he continued to break the law. In the summer of 1994, while in jail, Anthony once again posed as Prince Al-Sad in order to defraud Syracuse University. He called him up and said that he wanted to donate a large sum of money to this school randomly, Syracuse sure. University. He just picked them. He wanted to donate, he said, $45 million. But he told them he could only do this if the university would wire him a portion of the taxes for the donation. And that amount was about $16,000. So the university actually ended up wiring him the $16,000. I can't. Don't know why. This again, like I said, it's hard to think of this actually happening, but I feel like because of the internet, like making these types of scams more of a thing, now we're a little bit more weary of the sure. this sort of thing. But it's wild to think that somebody could just call up a university and and pull this off and that they would actually wire you thousands of dollars. Like I just yeah. feel like it would never happen today, but this is definitely in a different time, but it's wild yeah. to think of that time ever existing. I don't want to so, be a hater, um, but if you have a degree from Syracuse University, I'm not taking it seriously after this. 
So they ended up wiring it to Anthony's account, which was at a bank, not in Syracuse or in New York at all. It was in Michigan. And that should have been an immediate red flag. That should have been suspicious. Um, The bank account had actually been opened by Anthony's younger brother, and the two of them had recently reunited. Both of them ended up getting convicted of wire fraud, and Anthony was sentenced to another three years and 10 months in jail. Uh, So while he was serving that sentence, he tried to escape by covering the floor of his cell in shampoo and lighting the cell on fire, hoping that this would create a distraction that would lead to, I guess, his ultimate plan of walking out the front door. I'm not really sure. He thought, I don't know what his plan was after that. But he didn't didn't work. He didn't escape. Uh, Instead, he was given an additional three years as punishment for that little stint. Yeah. So, yeah. I I don't know where – does shampoo – is it flammable? Well – I don't know. I don't want to find out. I mean, maybe the whole thing was just everything was just to create a distraction to have the floor slippery. Sure. But I feel like there's more than just your (laughs) cell door to get out. I feel like there's a few more stops along the way. So you setting everything on fire on your way. (laughs) Right. I don't I don't get it. So after spending several years behind bars, Anthony was released in or around 2002 at the age of 32. He ended up returning to Michigan, where he lived with his mom, and continued to play pretend like he was a royal prince. Sure. He just doesn't learn. I mean, he doesn't learn. Or he's learned that it still works time Uh, and time again. He's willing to go spend a couple years in jail. He doesn't care. It just keeps working. So in June of 2002, he boldly returned to Florida and was caught charging over $27,000 at two factory outlet malls. And all of this was after he went to a car dealership and picked out two Lamborghinis worth $500,000, which he said he would pay for later once he got a wire transfer. And while he was waiting for the wire transfer to come through, the employee actually gave Anthony another vehicle. They leased him a Mercedes convertible. And they felt comfortable with this because Anthony showed them the Platinum American Express card with Prince Al-Saud's name on it, the one that he had already been caught fraudulently using. I don't know how they didn't take that card from him. I don't know how he even still had it at this point. No. But the owner of the dealership told the Orlando Sentinel that he thought Anthony really was a prince because he knew details about the names and cars of customers from the embassy in Washington who had also purchased cars Mm. at the same dealership. So he's like, oh, he obviously knows these people. He must be legitimate, you know, have connections with them. So Anthony was caught and arrested and he was charged with grand theft, using a false name to get a credit card and more. He pleaded no contest to using a false name to get a credit card, which was a misdemeanor. And the serious charges, including grand theft, ended up being dropped because apparently someone paid off the entire American Express bill. They paid it on time or within a week of it being due, but the bill got paid. Prosecutors still to this day have no idea how the bill was paid. But a few hours after pleading, Anthony was released from jail and he went back to Michigan. I want to know who paid it. What if the real prince paid it because the bill came to no. him and his people are just like, I don't know why he keeps going to Florida, but you got to pay it off. Right. So <laughs> nothing else makes sense. I well, know. Even that doesn't make sense. Let's not give me too much credit. I think the brother maybe helped or something. Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Who I don't knows? know how. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, just throwing theories out there. So yeah. despite having been caught running the same exact schemes over and over again, Anthony continued posing as Prince Al-Saud when he was in Michigan. He went to another Saks Fifth Avenue and somehow managed to obtain the real account number for a real member of the royal family, which he used to buy around $11,000 of merchandise. 
He uses the same scheme at Neiman Marcus, where he rings up a bill of $17,000. And at this store, he also had the audacity to complain about the rude treatment he received, and he threatened to cancel a probably made-up $70,000 order. He actually pretended to be on the phone with the Saudi Arabian embassy, who was demanding that the store apologize to him. Now, I think that was his brother. (laughs) So someone at the store must have caught on because police are called and Anthony is once again arrested before he could get out of the parking lot. Anthony's questioned about how he was able to obtain the account number for a real member of the royal family. And Anthony said he really does know them. He said he was using the (laughs) prince's account with the permission of the royal family. And so, yeah, I mean, like, what kind of question was that anyway? So to make his claim more believable or unbelievable, depending on who you ask, Anthony claims that he had an affair with a real Saudi prince and that the family was supporting him financially to, quote unquote, buy his silence. So when Anthony's claims were investigated, it was quickly learned that he was lying. (gasps) Shock. An assistant to the U.S. ambassador to Saudi Arabia told them that Anthony was not a member of the royal family, nor was he associated with the royal family in any way. Can you imagine? I wonder how many phone calls they had gotten already over the years about this guy. And they're probably like, oh, yeah, him again. No, you know, like, I know. we can already tell you it's not it's not, you know, it's not the real prince. Can like, you imagine you know? being the real prince? Like you are born into this life of luxury and wealth, which cool good for him but like every day it's got to be like you're the fraudster (laughs) like he maybe didn't have it quite so easy a prosecutor told american greed that they were never able to figure out how anthony got a hold of this real prince's account number but he ended up being charged with impersonating a diplomat while he was awaiting a trial in this case he mailed a letter to citibank demanding the 3.9 million dollars from this real prince's trust fund be wired to him He was caught trying to run this scam and then charged with bank fraud. I mean, the audacity. In October of 2006, Anthony pleaded guilty to attempted bank fraud and impersonating a foreign diplomat and was sentenced to six years and five months in federal prison. He was released in December 2011, but quickly found his way back behind bars after the FBI found a whole binder of forged documents that Anthony had been using to obtain fraudulent cards. <laughs> you have to have an organization system. <laughs> Gotta keep them separated. So he was sentenced to one year in prison for having this binder full of documents. And according to Vanity Fair, at his sentence, he asked the court, could I get that back? Could you just give me that binder? I just, I'm looking for something in there. Can you imagine? <laughs> I need it back. Oh, my (laughs) God. In around 2013, Anthony was released from prison and put on parole for the next four or so years. He was 43 at the time of his release. And although the con life had burned him many times in the past, he still continued to go around impersonating a prince. In February of 2014, he violated his parole when he hopped a plane to Florida where he tried to buy a resort for $200 million. It's like you said before, it's like he's just, these things are so outrageous. And because like, why? What are you going to do with that? You know, like, that's not even just something that you use yourself for your person. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what's he going to do? Manage the resort? What are you going to do with that? Hire and fire Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So he was caught and sent back to Michigan to answer for himself. Anthony claimed that he went to Florida to help treat his depression and to visit his brother. But he said that he was done impersonating royalty. That was behind him now. He told the judge that while he admitted to having a bad history, he was not a threat to the community now, and he was a changed man. 
Prosecutors said Anthony was lying and that he had been back to his old ways of impersonating a prince and trying to run a new $200 million scam. And they said Anthony belonged in prison and that was the only way that he would stop defrauding people. The judge agreed and gave Anthony a year in jail for the probation violation. But of course, as soon as he was free, he went right back to pretending to be royalty. This time, however, he decided not to focus so much on defrauding hotels and businesses. Now... He wanted something a little bit more. He wanted to go after the ultra-rich. Anthony started concocting his biggest con of all. The first step was to find someone who could introduce him to the ultra-wealthy. You got to get in their circles. So in 2015, while posing as Prince Al-Saud, Anthony met the person that he needed. It was a man named Carl Martin Williamson. This was a 51-year-old asset manager who had a lot of wealthy international contacts. So it's not clear whether or not Carl knew that Anthony was a fraud. According to his wife, Carl truly believed that Anthony was Prince Al-Saud. Anthony had shown him a bank statement showing a balance of $600 million, and he promised to make Carl a whole bunch of money too, and this was something that Carl felt really excited about. So regardless whether or not he knew the whole thing was a sham, Carl would tell people that he had actually known the prince and his whole family for over 20 years, which of course absolutely was not true, so at least we know Carl was willing to lie about that part. So Carl ended up becoming sort of a business manager for Anthony and even agreed to set up an investment company for him, which they called Martin Williamson International LLC or MWI. This was an exclusive investment company that was only for a select few very, very rich people. Again, we're not sure if Carl knew that Anthony intended for this to be another one of his scams or if he thought that this whole thing was legitimate. Either way, the scam went like this. Anthony and Carl would tell investors that this prince has this significant stake in Saudi Aramco, which is an oil giant controlled by the real Saudi royal family. Again, we don't know if Carl was aware that Anthony actually had no stake in this company in reality. So they would lie and say that this company was about to go public with their stocks, and then they would offer to sell prices of this fake stake in the company at a discount before the company went public. They promised to investors that they could make five times as much as their initial investments once the company went public. As a side note, at this time, a lot of people wanted Saudi Aramco to go public because it could bring in a lot of money, but they weren't actually planning on doing it at the time Anthony's running this con. They ended up going public years later in 2019 and became the world's most valuable public company. So Anthony and Carl also convinced the investors that it was customary for them to give the prince extravagant gifts in exchange for his business deals. We've progressed from your highness to now give me things. Yes, Yes. (laughs) actually, absolutely. And doing this would be holding this prince in high esteem. Anthony and Carl didn't stop there. They offered other fake investment opportunities too, like a platform for trading jet fuel which is a thing, I guess. I did not know there was a market for that. <laughs> Trading it? I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know enough about it. A casino in Malta and an Irish pharmaceutical company. And the scam is run the same way. You buy a stake in this company for cheap, get a big return on your investment. So, of course, the main problem was that none of these investments were legitimate and all the money goes straight into Anthony's pockets. With this money, Anthony continued to fund his life of luxury, which in turn helped him continue this appearance of being a prince, therefore helping him continue to con more people into believing it all. And this scam required Anthony to be really on top of his game. It had to look extremely credible. Anthony would travel with an entourage of people, including a uniform security detail, 
with their fake badges. He drove luxury cars with fake diplomatic license plates, and he traveled on private planes and yachts, which he claimed to own. He also handed out business cards that referred to himself as Prince, (laughs) his royal highness, and sultan. Sometimes when he was around investors, he would pretend to be taking a call from someone super important and powerful, like former presidents or billionaire executives or his dad, (laughs) the king. Um, This reminds me of Tender Swindler a little bit. Did you watch that documentary on Netflix? Uh, No, I didn't get that one. Okay, but it was this guy who was finding women online, but basically he would – money he was stealing, he would use to show that he had money to then steal from the next person. Same kind of – I guess all these scams really work the same. And we still have more to get into after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. As an adult, there isn't much I love more than a good night's sleep a good night's sleep, and a cool house. But we live in Florida where our ACs have to work in overtime, so more often than not, I'm not nearly as cool at night as I'd like to be while I sleep. But thanks to Sleep Me, the new home for chilly sleep, I can get a great night's sleep every night. I've had chilly sleep, now known as Sleep Me, for a few years. In fact, when we did a last thing before we go last year and talked about ways to stay cool, my number one cooling piece of advice was to actually own one of these. And that's because Sleep Me makes the coldest sleep systems available, which means they're creating an environment that meets your body's natural need for lower core temperatures, which leads to deeper restorative sleep. Sleep Me is a water-based, temperature-controlled mattress pad that you can put over your existing mattress, and it helps keep you cool all night, thanks to their Doc Pro sleep system with new Hyper AI. I've paired it with my Sleep Me app and it tracks my sleep temperature in real time. I'm someone who sleeps pretty hot, but since I've been using Sleep Me at night, I'm sleeping through the night thanks to staying cooler at night. I'm not waking up in the morning feeling sweaty, but instead I'm staying cool and waking up feeling refreshed thanks to Sleep Me. Head over to sleep.me slash moms to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Uller, or Cube sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for Moms and Mysteries listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot M-E slash moms to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up refreshed every day. Mandy, we talked last week on our show about our recent trips to North Carolina and how we both took our vessies out for different activities. I ended up in the snowstorm of the season, and Mandy, you went on a hike filled with rivers and bodies of water, and we accidentally were able to both put our Vessies to the test. And I'll be honest, as soon as I heard that Vessies shoes are 100% waterproof, I knew I was going to test it. And during this snowstorm in North Carolina, I not only walked around the property with my waterproof shoes, I actually looked for any areas with water to walk in, but guess what? I walked in them and my feet were dry. Not only do my Vessies work in the snow and freezing water in North Carolina, but they are so comfy and cute. I'm just wearing them around town, just waiting for this Central Florida spring and summer storms that just pop up out of nowhere. I totally agree. So I have the Vessi Cloudburst shoes, and not only do they have all the features of a rubber winter boot built into a sneaker, but they are so cute and comfortable. You'd think a shoe that can be both waterproof and warm would be heavy or just feel cumbersome to wear, but these are light and way more comfortable than any pair of rain or winter boots I've ever worn. Plus, they're able to slip on and off, making them quick and easy to get outside. Vessies are made of Dymatex, which is a super soft knit that actually keeps your feet warm in the cold and cool in the warmer months. Vessies are my go-to shoes by Major. Check them out in the link vessi.com slash moms for a pair of your Vessi shoes. 
step into the glitzy world of June's journey and prepare for an adventure that's out of this world. Get ready to ditch the dull and dive into a world where mystery meets glamour and where June Parker's drama-filled escapades will have you hooked faster than you can say flapper dress. Whether you're itching for a whodunit fix or just craving an escape from the mundane, June's journey is your ticket to excitement. Follow June as she unravels family secrets and untangles the web of mystery surrounding her sister's death. It's like joining a high society soiree, but with way more intrigue and way fewer dull conversations about the weather. Just kidding. You know we love a weather chat. So slip into your virtual flapper dress and immerse yourself in a world where every corner holds a new clue and every twist keeps you guessing. But hold on to your pearls because June's Journey isn't just another run-of-the-mill mobile game. I'm already knee-deep in the fifth chapter of June's Journey, and each chapter is more fun than the last. From the breathtaking scenery to the toe-tapping music, everything about June's Journey screams class. So what are you waiting for? Step into June's world and let the adventure begin. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Want to get away? Yeah, I do too. But since that's not really on the agenda anytime soon, I'll have to settle for a different kind of journey. And you can too, all with a fun mobile game. June's Journey allows you to enter the realm of June Parker, where an extraordinary adventure awaits. Best of all, no plane tickets needed. Say goodbye to the ordinary and immerse yourself in a world where intrigue meets elegance, courtesy of the drama-filled exploits of June Parker. Whether you're in need of a riveting mystery or simply yearning to escape the monotony of everyday life, June's Journey is your gateway to excitement. Follow June as she unravels hidden family secrets and navigates the intricate web surrounding her sister's demise. It's sort of like an upscale soiree minus the dull weather discussions, although we secretly enjoy those too. But hold on to your pearls as June's Journey is no ordinary mobile game. I'm deep in the fifth chapter with each section proving more enjoyable than the last. From the awe-inspiring scenery to the catchy tunes, every aspect of June's Journey exudes sophistication and refinement. Don't hesitate any longer. Step into June's world and let the thrilling adventure commence. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now back to the episode. So I can't even do a recap of everything we've discussed about Anthony Gignac and his life as Prince Al Saud. It sounds crazy to put it that way, but I feel like this guy literally lived his life as if he was another person real person as right. if he was real Prince Al Saud for many, many years. And it's so wild to think about all the things he got away with and a lot of things he didn't get away with because he spent a lot of time in prison. Anyway, so as crazy as this next part sounds, <laughs> Anthony showed off this lifestyle of his on an Instagram account under the handle Prince Dubai underscore zero seven. I have not gone to try and check that out. Did you, Melissa? Doing it now. Oh, <laughs> I did not check that out yet, um, but I'm definitely going to have to go have a look if it's even still pulled up or if it's still on there. Um, so he shared photos of himself wearing flashy jewelry, riding around in luxury cars, eating at these expensive restaurants, riding on yachts, flying in private jets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he would caption these photos with things like ballin. And funny enough, if he were actually being judged by today's social media standards, he probably would not make the cut. Um, the photos and videos apparently aren't even very good. I guess Haley must have found some, either found the account or found some old uh, screen grabs I from found it. Some. She said the photos weren't very good. 
He would be a terrible influencer. He would not be a good influencer. Yeah, he would be a de-influencer. I think it's the last ones are from (laughs) 2017. One post says my penthouse. So I'm thinking I'm on the right one. Um, Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So he would post pictures of the royal Saudi family and say things like my family or this is me and my dad or my dad, you know, but he actually would never show himself, would never show his own face. So Carl, who we said was kind of in business, illegitimate business, whether he knew that's what it was or not, he ended up introducing Anthony to another investment banker who we'll call Linda. And Linda was in London, and she specialized in connecting high net worth individuals with investment opportunities. So Linda ended up opening many, many doors for Carl and Anthony and their illegitimate investment company. We don't think Linda actually knew that any of it was a scam or that Anthony wasn't actually a prince until much later. So the MWI con was actually running until 2017, and it only ended when Anthony got arrested again later that year. In total, MWI scammed 26 investors from at least five different countries out of about $8 million. But it was in early 2017 that things really began to unravel. In February, Anthony had completed, I say that very loosely, uh, the terms of his parole, which we know means absolutely nothing (laughs) for him because he just keeps breaking laws. What that really means is that he managed to go that length of time without getting caught long enough to get released from parole. So after he got off parole, Anthony set his sights on Fisher Island, which is an exclusive private island neighborhood off the coast of Miami. It's one of the wealthiest zip codes in the country. I imagine it's probably really close to Star Island if it's not right on top. It's probably in that same exact area. So Anthony first tried to buy a condo on Fisher Island that cost $20 million, but he was unable to legitimately come up with the money for the condo. So the deal fell through. Instead, he ended up renting a three-bedroom penthouse for around $15,000 a month. And when he was living there, of course, just living in a $15,000 a month penthouse, that's like poor person stuff to him. So instead, he goes around telling everyone he sees that he owns the whole building and all the condos inside of it, which is funny because if other people live there and own condos, they're like, no, you don't. Like, you know, like, who are you telling these lies to? I hope people were knocking on his door, telling him their toilets were overflowing, all kinds of stuff. Right. Just to be like, <laughs> Come fix all my fix problems. This. Yeah. <laughs> so in March of 2017, Anthony told Carl and Linda that he wanted to buy a stake in the famous Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach. Linda called the owner of the hotel, Jeffrey Sofer, but of course, Anthony didn't actually intend to buy anything. Instead, he just wanted to get as much free stuff out of Jeffrey as possible. Jeffrey's family was worth a measly $4.2 billion, so Anthony likely just saw dollar signs really hanging over his head. So for a little context, at this time, the Fountain Blue Hotel had been financially struggling really for several years. So when Jeffrey heard that this prince wanted to buy a 30% stake in the hotel for $440 million, Jeffrey was more than interested. A 30% stake was really only worth about $300 million, so this was going to be a really great deal for Jeffrey. So it can be hard to understand why someone extremely wealthy like Jeffrey would fall for Anthony's scam, but we thought this quote from Robin Farzad, author of Hotel Scarface, really helps explain why something like this could happen. Robin told Vice that, quote, Miami doesn't have the due diligence culture like Wall Street and New York. If you are a developer and someone is offering you cash with no mortgage or no documentation involved, you are very happy to take that cash. Miami is the hot money capital of the world, end quote. 
That's not something to be proud of. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't know that he's from Miami, so that's probably why I said it. So statistics actually show that Florida is one of the easiest places in the U.S. to scam people. I feel like Haley could have kept that out of the research. We didn't need to know know. that. That was a little dig at us. Thanks, Haley. (laughs) Vice reported, though, that in 2016 and 2017, Florida was ranked first and second, respectively, for fraud and identity theft complaints by the Federal Trade Commission. Honestly, we're number one and number two in something, baby. Let's take it. We'll we'll take it all the way to the bank with our fake checks. (laughs) So after Jeffrey told Linda he was interested in the offer to purchase a stake in the hotel, this Prince Al-Sad called Jeffrey personally. And over the next few months, they would get this ball running on the prince's investment. So in May, Anthony, Carl, and Linda went to the Fontainebleau Hotel. And Anthony paid for rooms and food. For everyone. Charging it all to the credit card under Prince Alsaud's name. I don't understand. I guess he must have opened new ones because obviously the ones that he was caught with before should be deactivated. Yeah, right? no, I think it's like <laughs> I think he's been filing a few, but you'd think that all these credit cards, like I don't know, American Express would have one that says like uh, like a pop-up that would come up and be like, you right. actually need to speak to the actual king. Right. You need to do extra security verifications right. on this account. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. He also went around telling everyone that he was there at the hotel making a deal with his good friend, Jeffrey Sofer. On August 11th, Anthony invited Jeffrey and his associates over to his condo on Fisher Island to discuss the terms of this deal. He showed them around his garage, which of course was full of many luxury cars. And he took them to his penthouse where... The name Sultan was plastered across the door buzzer. Of course. Yeah. Inside the condo, he showed proof that he could make this $400 million investment. So he takes out this ornate box, which contains a letter that's allegedly from the Bank of Dubai, guaranteeing the availability of $600 million. So it's basically like an IOU, I guess. It's like present this ticket for $600 million. I don't know if that's even a thing that banks issue, but that's what he showed them. But before Anthony um, could make the investment, he told Jeffrey that he needed to show his respect to your highness through gifts. So later that day, Jeffrey gives Anthony between fifty dollars and $150,000 worth of really nice stuff, including jewelry and paintings. On August 13th, Jeffrey flew Anthony and some of the hotel executives to Aspen on a private jet that belonged to Jeffrey. And the plan was to, of course, continue discussing the details of this big investment. By this time, Jeffrey and his associates were actually starting to get a little bit suspicious. They were questioning the validity of what Anthony was telling them and what he was claiming that he wanted to do. And they had also looked into the high rise on Fisher Island and learned, of course, that Anthony does not own that entire building like he claimed. He just rents the penthouse there. And that suspicion that they had really only increased while they were on this trip to Aspen. So one night while they were having dinner, the prince ordered a pork dish, which immediately sent up red flags because this prince is supposed to be Muslim and therefore would not have ordered pork because it goes against Muslim beliefs. So they obviously are like, what's going on here? Why are you, why did you order that? And when they confronted him, Anthony made a scene and asked, how dare they question the prince. So the investment deal ended up not being finalized on this trip for obvious reasons. There was a little bit of, of contention whenever they no got kidding. back on the Although private jet to head back. <laughs> if I'm going to lose it all, I'm going to lose it all over bacon. That sounds like something. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like for someone, for. yeah, but honestly, 
I really was a little bit surprised by that because it seems like for someone who spent that much time studying the yeah. culture and really trying to impersonate the culture, he had spent years posing as a Muslim, you know, supposedly in this culture. Right. And he didn't realize that like that, that kind of seems like a slip up to him, like for totally. him to do that, like to not realize that like that doesn't go in his character that he's playing. Right. So I was kind of surprised by yeah. how, for how good of a con artist he was. Right. He, uh, he it messed It is that always up. those small details though, that they uh-huh. really seem to mess. So everyone goes back to Miami on August 15th, and when they go back, Anthony offers to drive one of the executives home in his Ferrari, which has these fake diplomatic license plates. So during this drive, the executives are complaining that Anthony's driving recklessly, but Anthony said it's fine if he gets pulled over, they'll let him off because he has diplomatic immunity, which made the executives even more suspicious. So Jeffrey ends up hiring a former federal agent named D.C. Page to look into Anthony. And this D.C. Page specialized in providing business intelligence, and he ended up finding out that Anthony was not a diplomat, nor was he a member of Saudi royalty. So after D.C. finished his investigation, he sends a report to the State Department and to the FBI, who end up handing over the case to the Diplomatic Security Service, which is an elite team of highly trained agents. So the DSS agents learned that Anthony and Carl had already fled the country. Anthony's traveling with a fake passport, and they're going to various countries to meet with some of these investors of their LLC, MWI, to try and swindle more money out of them. The agents end up tracking Anthony and Carl from Dubai to Hong Kong to London and back to New York. And so when they land in New York on November 19th, Anthony and Carl are both taken into custody. Anthony was taken straight to jail, but Carl was allowed to go home, at least for the time being. So a search warrant is carried out for Anthony's penthouse, and officers find two fraudulent license plates, a fraudulent DSS special agent badge, unauthorized credit cards, and financial documents in the name of a member of the Saudi royal family. And, of course, thousands of dollars in U.S. currency, jewelry, and artwork. I'd love to know if they found his binder, or if he never got it back. (laughs) So Vanity Fair later said that the investigators ended up finding out that over half of the expensive jewelry that Anthony had was fake. He would apparently buy the cheapest Rolexes available and then have a jeweler glue inexpensive diamonds to them. He would lease- Like a craft project? I know. (laughs) Honestly, I could get in on some of that. Right? So he leased or borrowed cars and yachts under various pretenses and then would explain their inevitable disappearances by saying he grew tired of them. Don't you hate <laughs> when you get tired of your yacht? I'm like, oh, yeah, right. So gross. <laughs> so on December 14th, Carl's home was raided by federal agents and he was taken into custody and interrogated for over six hours while his house was searched. At the end of it all, Carl still wasn't taken into custody. That night, he told his wife he had no idea that Anthony was lying about being a prince. And moments later, he went into another room in their home and took his own life. The police ended up finding enough evidence against Carl to have charged him as a co-conspirator in the MWI scam. But since he was no longer around, Anthony would face these charges alone. Of course, there's speculation that he really didn't know about all of this. And when he found out that he had been such an instrumental part of this like massive scam, you know, it's just really sad to think like what his final thoughts about the whole thing were and finding out, you know, that all of this was fake and that he had also been duped by 
Anthony, a major con artist. So Anthony ended up getting charged with conspiring to commit a crime against the United States, passing himself off as a foreign diplomat, misuse of a passport, aggravated identity theft, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. In March of 2019, 48-year-old Anthony pleaded guilty to one count each of impersonating a foreign diplomat or foreign government official, aggravated identity theft, wire fraud, and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. In May, he was sentenced to over 18 years in prison. Anthony told the judge, quote, The entire blame of this entire operation is on me, and I accept that. But then he insisted that other people should have been charged as well as he was. He added, quote, I am not a monster. Following the sentence, the U.S. Attorney's Office released a statement that read in part, quote, Over the course of the last three decades, Anthony Gignac has portrayed himself as a Saudi prince in order to manipulate, victimize, and scam countless investors from around the world. As the leader of a sophisticated, multi-person international fraud scheme, Anthony used his fake persona, Prince Khalid bin al-Saud, to sell false hope. He sold his victims on hope for their families, careers, and future. As a result, dozens of unsuspecting investors were stripped of their investments, losing more than $8 million. Today, in a federal court of law, justice spoke for the victims, and Anthony Gignac will now face years in prison. And as of this recording, Anthony is incarcerated at FCI Florence in Colorado, and his release date is scheduled for February 28th, 2032, at which point he will be 61. And something tells me that is still young enough to continue running cons. So we'll see how that plays out. now you could pretend to be the king and not the prince. So you kind of like upgrade, right? Right. Yeah. That's the story. (laughs) Yeah. Sad about the business partner. Yeah, Carl, because that would be... It w- I can't imagine finding that out if that if that's really what right. happened and that's how he found out. Like, you know, everything is is over for you know right. your family and stuff. So that would be incredibly hard. But man, what a wild story to keep doing it. It's yeah, just, it feels the fact that he got away with. Honestly, I feel like he got away with so much. But like like we said in the beginning, it's crazy to think he did all this without even without like the internet. Like he didn't even have access to like he. What did he do? Read books? <laughs> he studied all this stuff. <laughs> what did he do? Read books. <laughs> Can you imagine going to the I'm library? What a loser. <laughs> I know. What kind of life is that? Uh, anyway, yeah, crazy story. Um, one of the more f- fun and interesting ones it that is. we have done. It's nice um, we get to year, do a so. mystery. And that yes. was a fun little mystery yes. of what on earth happened there. Yes. All right, Melissa. So really enjoyed that story. Are we ready to turn the page and move on to last thing before we go? Let's do it. So this week, Mandy and I are going to give each other some true false questions based on con artist movies. So some interesting facts from different con artist movies over the years. Um, When I brought this up to Mandy, she said, I don't know any con artist movies. Then she said, you mean like Nick Cage? And I said, I think you're thinking of Con Air. So I also feel like Nick Cage has played in some con artist movies. Oh, for sure. But the funny thing is when I first thought about this, my first thought was Con Air. And I was like, no, that's not a con artist movie, Melissa. That is totally different. airplane movie? I don't even know what kind of movie it is. I love that movie. Um, Okay, Mandy. So do you want to start with the first true false or you want me to? Um, Well, I hope that we kind of did like a similar – thing so I think why so. don't you go first it's always a fun way for us to learn this uh yeah how we interpreted the same assignment in the movie the usual suspects the original lineup of the suspects they do this like uh thing where all of the suspects line up and originally it was supposed to be a really serious moment 
But what you may not know is that they weren't able to keep it together. So it became this like kind of funny moment. And that's because an actor farted and they all kept laughing. True or false? True. Yeah. Apparently Venicia del Toro tore it up in there and they could never stop laughing. And the director (laughs) got really mad. But then eventually that ended up being one of the takes that they took. Or Yeah. One of the takes that they took, one of the takes they <laughs> used because it was just like it ended up working with kind of how the movie worked. So it's like this infamous scene and it was all based on a fart. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Is all it? Right. <laughs> it's kind of gross. I mean, it is kind of gross, but interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it always is fun, though, to see like I love to see um, or hearing about parts in movies that actually weren't like scripted right. and weren't like planned out mm-hmm. and like seeing that they actually used it and it was just like an improv kind of situation. Yeah. So I always, those are always are fun to yeah. think about. Okay. So the movie, I'm sure you've heard of it. Catch me if you can. Yes. Uh, is based on the true story of Frank Abagnale Jr., a man who became a master of deception at an early age and eventually became the most successful bank robber in U.S. history at the age of 17. He is pursued for years by FBI agent Carl Hanratty, but Frank, who's played by Leonardo DiCaprio, is always one step ahead of him. So is it true or false that the FBI agent is played by Bruce Willis? False, but I have more information on that. Is it true or false? It is false. Okay. Do you know that thing is basically an entire scam, that he actually isn't one of the greatest common ever? And... Um, our friend Javier with Pretend did a whole series and has been investigating it. And basically everything he said was a freaking lie. Like none of the stuff really? he said he could have done. He was in jail during that time. So oh my gosh. I'm trying to wow. I think it was like the last season. So if you're interested in learning about the true story of Frank Abagnale Jr., yeah. check out Pretend. I don't remember. I think it was last season, but he like confronted him. It's wild. Um wow. yeah. So anyway, but yeah, that's like known as one of the biggest con artist movies. And like he may have even conned. That he was a con man. Kind of crazy. Wow. That is wild. Yeah. So no, uh, the FBI agent, though, was not played by Bruce Willis. It was Tom Hanks. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Got it. Um, Okay. So this fact came from the movie Escape from Alcatraz, which we covered Alcatraz on Patreon. So it's still in my head. Um, True or false? This is kind of more of an Alcatraz fact. Sorry. Alcatraz only had cold water for showers like the, the jail did, the prison did. True false they actually were one of the only prisons that had hot water and here's why i thought this was interesting they did not want the prisoners to get used to the cold water so if they tried to escape it would be so cold because you could like train yourself to like tolerate colder temperatures oh my gosh so it seems like a nice thing but it absolutely was not meant to be a nice it was meant to keep you there Mm -hmm. yeah so that (laughs) That is really interesting yeah wow you learn something new every day yeah (laughs) All right. So next one for me. One of my favorite movies of all time is Ocean's Eleven, probably because it has one of the most amazing cast of actors in one place that I can think of. Uh, So the movie, which is about a team of misfits that all possess a specific skill, getting together and coming up with this elaborate plan to rob three of the Las Vegas casinos, has these big names like Julia Roberts, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, many, many more big names. So is it true or false, Melissa, that Mark Wahlberg turned down a role for the movie and then later seemed kind of salty about it? Ooh. I'm going to say yes, because I kind of hope that's true. (laughs) It is. So actually, I included this whole long blurb. I'm just going to read it. I took from an article um, because I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Uh, Maybe he wasn't salty. To me, it sounds like he might have been. Maybe he wasn't salty about the movie, but I think he 
maybe doesn't like some of these other actors. Yeah. I'm not up and up on the drama. So the article I read said, Mark Wahlberg's loss turned out to be Matt Damon's gain as the one-time Calvin Klein model was the first actor to be offered the part of pickpocket Linus Caldwell in the movie. However, another remake of a 60s classic, Planet of the Apes, proved to be more tempting. Despite the latter's critical mauling, Wahlberg doesn't appear to believe that he missed out by not being in Ocean's Eleven. He later told Today, quote, People tell George Clooney it's great, but we all know it sucked. I made two bad movies instead, Planet of the Apes and The Truth About Charlie. But doing that was better than sitting with Brad and George telling the press how great everybody is. Ooh, I hope that is like, I hope that was Salty Mark Wahlberg. He wakes up at like three in the morning and eats like 400 eggs a day. I just don't think he's that happy. So he might be actually salty. No, but I agree. Those press tours are always like, oh, I just love Matt. Uh, Julia, she's right. just, it's so annoying. Give me salty. I'll take salty. That's not his scene. Yeah. No. Okay. So my last one is in the movie Now You See Me, which I actually don't really know, but I don't either. The actor Tim Robbins says, quote, these bars give a man time to think, which is the same line he says in The Shawshank Redemption in 1994. True or false? I feel like it should be true because it sounds like I just one of those beautiful yeah. full circle moments, but right. I think it's probably false. Good job with false. It is true that that was said twice, but it was actually Morgan Freeman that said it in both movies. Uh, Small little trick. trick. I tried. I tried. But you got it right. Awesome. All right. My last one. So another great movie about a con artist that came out a little bit more recently is the 2020 Netflix film, I Care A Lot. Did you watch that one? Was that the um, lady with the um, – she has that very harsh haircut. She's beautiful. She was in – Yes. Okay. I can keep going. Yes. I no. know. You okay, hated so, that movie. <laughs> you hated her in that movie. I love hated mm-hmm. the movie. Right. Okay. So it, the movie follows a con woman who makes a living as a court-appointed guardian, and um, she seizes the assets of vulnerable elderly people, including the mother of a dangerous gangster. So I thought the movie was actually really great. Yeah. I thought um, – well, because it's about a topic that I care a lot about. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very fitting. Um, <laughs> so anyway, is it true or false that Renee Zellweger won the Golden Globe for Best Actress for her performance as the con woman, uh, Marla Grayson, in that movie? Oh, so that wasn't Renee Zellweger. That's the lady from uh, Gone Girl. She's like yes. got crazy eyes. I love it. It is. Yeah. Do you know her name? I don't. I can't remember offhand. Give me your first name. Rosamund Pike. Nope, wouldn't have gotten it. Um, yeah, <laughs> but she's great and she's gorgeous. She, she is great. And I love Gone Girl. That's like also one of my Me too. I really, mm-hmm. that is one of my favorite movies, which also makes you sound slightly unsettled when you tell people, like, I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah, I know. It is good though. It is really good. It is. Well, Melissa. Well, Mandy. I think that's it for this week. <laughs> that sounds good. And we'll be back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. 